0: Welcome to Decrypt, Asia's first blockchain and cryptocurrency podcast. I'm your host, Tushar. Each week, we take a deep dive into the Asian blockchain scene with investors, technologists, and industry insiders. Go to decrypt.asia to subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Telegram to join in the discussions. Hi, guys. Our guest for today's show is Joe Hun Cho. Joe has been a hedge fund manager and has run an asset management company before founding Lattice AT, one of the world's largest fintech and blockchain hubs in Singapore. Joe has been a mentor to several young companies and regularly coordinates with the government and larger corporations to support the startup ecosystem. Welcome to the show, Joe. Thank you. So you have a very interesting story. Uh, you've been an investor in varying capacities over the course of your career. Could you tell us more about your background and how you ended up running the fintech hub Lattice80 in Singapore?
1: Okay, I'll, I have a little unique uh, background. I'm an entrepreneur, I'm an investor, and I'm a hedge fund manager. So we, one of the, my uh, first startup was an asset management company running Quan uh, Hedge Fund. So we, I have an experience interesting experience to set up a company and going through all the license approval processes to clear uh, licenses myself and uh, by nature we are a trader uh, and entrepreneur and we are very interested in technology and innovation and particularly in uh, finance industry so one of our latest project Lady 80 was uh, good to have and trying to uh, uh, contribute to the community to everyone like ourselves. And we uh, saw the opportunity of fintech and blockchain happening in Asia. And we chose Singapore to open the first space uh, in 2016. So it has been more than one and a half year.
0: And how did the idea of Lattice80 in particular come about in the first place? I mean, there were different ways to get involved in the FinTech ecosystem and now the blockchain ecosystem, but why start a co-working space or, or a hub?
1: Uh, I mean, we've been traveling around the world to see how uh, people and governments and uh, different places uh, built their startup ecosystem and we were trying to find identify problems and opportunities in Asia and Singapore. So th- uh, that time, uh, we didn't see any uh, dedicated space for fintech and we didn't see a decent size or a decent place in CBD so we thought uh, having a, a new place some uh, we benchmarked uh, London level 39 in London and a couple of other existing developments So we thought it would be a good idea to have uh, one place where all the startups and uh, institutions and investors and governments and public can come together to understand uh, how fintech is working.
0: Yeah, and just to give our listeners uh, an idea, especially listeners who may not be from Singapore, Mm -hmm. so Lattice80 is the world's biggest fintech hub, if I'm not wrong?
1: So by uh, we opened the first space uh, in November 2016 in Singapore. By then, uh, we were the uh, world's largest fintech hub by size. So it was slightly more than 30,000 square foot. and, And over the last one year, we been hosting uh, slightly more than 100 startups inside our uh, fintech hub.
0: Amazing. And now you're in the process of launching Lattice 80s across Europe, North America, and Asia. Is that correct?
1: Yes. Yes, correct. Uh, yeah. When we started this project, we had an intention to open every cities in Asia over time. So maybe uh, over 100 to 200 cities over time to build, uh, connect the community in Asia, but during the first year, we could see a lot of demand coming from Europe and US and other regions. So uh, first year alone, I was probably hosting uh, visitors from 50 to 100 over countries, including uh, 30 over ministers and prime ministers uh, from Europe and other uh, regions. So we identified a lot more demand and we even Even though we are trying to expand in US and Europe and other regions, we try to stay as the best gateway to Asia. So by having a couple more cities in Asia and a couple more in Europe and maybe one in US, one in Middle East and one in Nordic, this could be an interesting network to connect the global fintech and blockchain community.
0: Yeah. And so you mentioned 100 to 200 cities. Is that the vision for Lattice 80 in the longer term?
1: Oh yeah, from the beginning, uh, that was my sort of first KPI to open 100 cities in Asia. So so usually my job is to be a first CEO to open first cities. So if we can successfully open 5 to 10 cities in Asia and Europe this year and next year, I think that uh, the community will grow by themselves organically. That's what we have seen uh, in Singapore too. All right. And so beyond providing
0: a co-working space, is there any particular value add that you have pride in bringing as a hub that your startups find useful?
1: Yeah, I mean, when you say hub, we uh, have uh, different definitions and strategies and business model for each region. So uh, we have main uh, four uh, target customers. So first group was uh, startups. If you're a fintech, blockchain, crypto startups, then we are here to help you. And our second uh, group of customers were financial institutions and corporates. So everyone is trying to adapt innovation in their culture. So we are putting them together to uh, figure out by themselves. And our third customer group was government. So all the government agencies and different uh, types of government organizations are, are working hard to build a startup ecosystem. So we wanted to bridge a lot of gaps and particularly between private sector and public sector. And we added the last group uh, as a, a customer group, uh, public. So we are here to educate the public, to bring awareness of fintech and blockchain, including professionals, how this will affect their life. So We had different models and Singapore, we didn't see any existing uh, fintech-dedicated co-working space so we open the co-working space and when we look at different markets uh, like luxembourg was one of the first market we built partnership so they have existing co-working space and uh, platform initiated by the government agency so we don't see the need of opening another space then we bring programs so it could be an accelerator program or venture capital fund or other types of corporate innovation programs where uh, we can engage different stakeholders into uh, this innovation.
0: So when you mentioned that, you know, these are the four uh, customers that you have, would financial institutions, corporates, or government agencies be based out of your co-working space? Or is it more like it's mostly the startups that are based at the co-working space, but you help these startups get access to financial institutions, corporates, government agencies, through the network that you have
1: so we try to put them physically in the same place at least they can uh, put someone from their organization to have access where they have uh, someone coming regularly to the space so in uh, example our first space in singapore we were hosting a couple of uh, uh, people came from different embassies so when uh, someone is bringing delegation to Singapore It's usually government and uh, some group of bankers and corporates and they bring startups. So we wanted to put them together. So we were hosted uh, two accelerators and uh, two private equity funds and uh, many corporates and uh, government agencies from different countries, even in Singapore. So we see the demand from both sides. to. Finding the place, even even for government, it was quite interesting experience to see how many governments are trying to have exposure to different uh, places from innovation labs to co-working spaces to different uh, platforms to have access to innovation to connect to their uh, community in their own country.
0: Yeah, that's very interesting. So you've seen the evolution of fintech companies in Singapore up close, especially over the last couple of years. Are there any key trends that you see?
1: Oh, I mean, it's, it was quite hard to identify trend. And uh, being a quant guy and data driven <laughs> uh, player, we always try to understand the market uh, by numbers. So yeah. One of our first project was trying to put all the startups. In our database to understand what's happening, uh, but it was very uh, uh, cyclical and trendy. So one single year you see a lot of robot advisors coming in, and next year you see a lot of blockchain companies coming in. Now everyone is talking about AI tech and insurtech since last year, and a lot of new things. But it is really a cyclical and it's very hard to identify one startup in one sector, and many times they're doing a couple of different things, and they adapt and they change in between. So we try not to identify particular uh, opportunity in specific sector, but uh, try to understand uh, more of trends globally and uh, some difference in Asia and in the other region.
0: Uh, So you mentioned a couple of things. You mentioned trends right now. You mentioned blockchain. And I guess this is in alignment with the global trends, but you've started to add more focus to blockchain and crypto startups in recent times, in addition to fintech startups, which was, from what I understand, your initial focus. And now you're also in the process of launching the Kaya Network. Could you tell us uh, what you're trying to do with the Kaya Network project?
1: Uh, yes, yes. Uh, we, I mean, initial question was whether should we create new hub under new brand to cover blockchain and crypto community? And we, in the end, we decided uh, to maintain this fintech hub brand to cover blockchain and crypto. In many cases, they're not exactly same, but related. And our, even in uh, blockchain and crypto, our focus is more on how regulation and governments and institutions can work with this startups and innovation under a uh, properly licensed or uh, legal structure. So uh, one of the first effort is building Kaya Network. And this is what exactly what we were trying to do in Singapore for the first time. And physically, virtually, we are trying to connect the community. And even though there are a lot of synergies and opportunities, and one, one good example was almost every week I was hosting either one venture capital or one of the banks coming from Europe or US finding startups in Singapore. And after uh, talking to them and understanding the startup, usually they like the idea and uh, they're very confident this technology is something they can bring to the market uh, to the next level. But they rather spend a lot more time on due diligence. So they don't know each other. And it was very hard to uh, build actual trust even you have uh, legal structure and contract, it doesn't really cover everything till they know each other and understand each other's culture. So, having this trusted network to connect uh, startups and institutions and financial institutions and corporates and governments and public will be the key. And not everyone is on blockchain, but everyone should be benefited from the blockchain itself. So, what we are trying to do is not everything is on. The decentralized network, where not everything is on blockchain or distributed later. but if they're on blockchain, startup A in London, startup B in Singapore, we can help them to build smart contract to work together. And if it's government A in India and startup C in Singapore, we could help them uh, to do more things without spending too much time on legal and due diligence and other. Uh, necessary uh, uh, practices in the market. So that that's the first stage, trying to connect everyone in Fitchcoly by opening more physical spaces. And it, it, more than that, we are trying to build online platform and community where we could uh, bring a lot more players from everywhere.
0: So uh, just to understand the uh, network that you're building a little bit better, mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, so you gave the example of connecting, you know, like one startup in London to another startup in yeah. Singapore or a government agency in India to a startup in Singapore. So how exactly does this platform that you're building, um, the Kaya network, how, how exactly does that facilitate this interaction between startups or between corporates and startups or startups and government agencies?
1: So, 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 so we have a couple of components, and one of the first uh, thing is database. We have uh, more than eleven thousand uh, fintech and blockchain startups in our database, and uh, probably two hundred over thousand professionals in our database. So, we, any anyone either coming from startup or investor side or governments, we can help them to identify uh, the sector and uh, particular startups they're looking for, poten- uh, who has potential, and if. If and on top of that, we are building a mini social network. So instead of going for many events and traveling, if we can uh, build online platform, you can easily find someone doing the same thing. If you're a robot advisor in London, you may don't have resources and time to travel to Singapore to set up licensed entity here. If you can work with someone doing similar things or doing different things targeting the same customers, there could be a lot of synergies. So we are developing. This kinda of, uh kind of database plus social network. And we're, on top of that we're building API platform where API platform plus uh, smart contract meta protocol uh platform, so where startups and different organizations can work together uh within this layer. Okay, so that
0: makes more sense now. Uh, your token is called the Kaya token. Could you talk about the utility of this token? How, what purpose will this token serve within the Kaya
1: network? Uh, so uh, 50% in uh, physical space. If you're in our space, you could use this token to use desks. And uh, you can buy coffee, you can uh, use any other services. And uh, 50% will be on online platform. An upside and uh, the potential of this platform is if we have 11,000 startups uh, delivering uh, thousands of services. So each of startups have opportunity to offer their services through our network. So 50% from our own services, and 50% from uh, uh, startups and other organizations in our network will be able to offer their service uh, in Kaya Network.
0: Okay. And uh, will this be exclusive to the Lattice AT uh, co-working spaces or is your longer term vision to kind of integrate this token with some of the other co-working spaces as well so that you know you can have a broader reach and you kind of become um, the the platform where all the startups or all the different stakeholders that we spoke about go and they can basically use this token, at least from a physical perspective, anywhere around the world, regardless of whether Lattice AD is there or not?
1: Yeah, I mean, we're open. Uh, we, if we can choose, I'd rather partner with others than doing everything ourselves. So more the better, as we can have more uh, participants, either from the co-working space to Accelerator to different startups and banks using, offering their services. If we can have partnership with others, even other, uh, even with other startups issued their own token, we could do token swap to different programs to partner with many. So our approach is always lesser work the better. So by and the only way to scale up is uh, through partnerships.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I like the bit about lesser work the better. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, I believe in that also. Uh, yep. Yeah, it's all about scalability, right? Now, yes. We've spoken about this before. Um, so you're building on the NEM blockchain. Any particular reason for choosing this blockchain?
1: Uh so so we uh, we decided to cho- uh, choose NEM to build a first platform. We, I mean, I, I spent slightly more than maybe one to one and a half years to go through at least top uh, blockchain solutions and talk to many founders and. Uh, startups building things, and it, at least Nam is one of the uh, few platforms we found is quite easy and straightforward to issue tokens. And since we're not putting everything on blockchain and smart contract, uh, Nam was one of the fastest and pretty well structured uh, APIs to connect with other services. And And I mean, we could identify a couple more uh, blockchain solutions could offer the same, but what we liked about NEM was it was fairly easy to connect uh, to community members. So we are in discussion uh, with the core community members so we can understand uh, the future plans and we could, we like the community. So community was quite uh, receptive and easy to access. So we wanted to choose platform where we can Grow together, so at least we understand their long-term plan, and we can uh, contribute to the community over time. But uh, longer term, we will adapt more blockchain platforms to connect together. And really long run, we uh, we want to initiate a couple of projects to develop our own blockchain platform too with others. Yep.
0: Okay. And uh, if I understand correctly, you will be launching your ICO uh, soon if it's not already launched.
1: What what is the timeline for this look like? Yeah, we we are uh, doing five rounds. And the first round is actually finishing. So we just uh, finished uh, pre-ICO yesterday. And uh, the actual ICO will be from 9th of July to 15th. So we will be finishing the first round of ICO in two weeks. And then we will continue to uh, do more rounds to cover different jurisdictions and uh, different uh, region as we grow our community globally.
0: Okay. Um, so, I mean, I mean, this is an interesting concept. And I, I know that mm-hmm. some of the other companies have started doing this as well, which is yeah. Well, what you're doing is a little bit different. about what traditional, quite, yeah,
1: quite what, different.
0: <laughs> yeah. What what startups usually do now is instead of raising a lot of money straight away, mm-hmm. they kind of do a staggered ICO where they raise a little bit, deliver a product, and then raise more mm-hmm. money. Um, and so it's kind of like you know uh, more like a venture capital approach in in terms of having like deliverables aligned yep. to uh, mm-hmm. how much money is being raised. Um, but you mentioned that you're doing rounds based on jurisdictions. So is the, is the current, what you're raising at the moment, is that for any particular jurisdiction, any particular jurisdiction that you want to start with?
1: Uh, I mean, we were in a bit different position because we are not raising money to expand or starting anything, but we're running it and we are raising money or engaging more participants into our platform. So before raising extra money to expand globally, we started to use our own token in our services and started to build our system. So before offering tokens to the public, we developed our own uh, ecosystem where participants and our customers can uh, start to use it. So the uh, through private rounds and internal rounds, we issued tokens and it's running and actually uh, second round of ICO will be one of officially the first ICO to the public. Even though the first round is open to the public, we didn't market much to the public. It was mainly from uh, partners and existing uh, users.
0: Okay, so uh, if I understand correctly, your token is already being used. Is that what you said?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're uh, already using it, and uh, if we Identify jurisdiction for the first round. We have uh, five to ten uh, cities in Europe and Asia as our priority. So Singapore is obviously the first market. If in Asia, we're looking at Singapore and Korea, Malaysia, Hong Kong, uh, and India. And those were places we actually opened last year. So we are just continue, continuing, continuing to develop other. And in Europe, we recently moved global headquarters to London. Other than London, we are in discussion with a couple of governments and uh, places. So we're opening in Finland, Lithuania, Slovenia, and Luxembourg and Switzerland, and probably uh, more places in Europe. And in the US, we're opening in New York, and probably one more place.
0: So you're taking over the world,
1: huh? <laughs> yeah one by one, <laughs> big and small and we're <laughs> adopting and changing strategies last year when it started, we didn't want put one to open small spaces, but now we're changing the strategy. If market is big enough and they have existing uh spaces, we' rather partner with them and coming as some other uh content
0: as someone who is holding the token. Um, mm-hmm. The the people who will be holding the token would mostly be people who would be wanting to use your services, right?
1: Yeah, so ideally we want to engage uh, our actual customers and uh, people inside the community. And We're not stopping others buying our token because we have services to the public. So if you're a student or someone uh, wants to understand blockchain or attend our seminars and uh, events, they could buy our token too but mainly we're focusing on professionals in the industry first.
0: Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Before we end, are there any last comments from your end, anything that you would like to talk about that we may not have covered so far?
1: Uh, I mean, this is the only first stage to build a network as big as possible to engage more. But second stage, third stage, we are trying to bring a lot more complex structure when uh, the legal structure and uh, the world is more adaptive in crypto and the regulation is clearer. So we are uh, looking for partners who want to do many things, from ICO platform to exchange to crypto fund. And uh, one of our uh, first projects is building a fintech bank, mostly in Europe, US, probably in Asia. So we are looking for partners if any startups or corporates or governments or financial institutions will be more than happy to meet up to discuss what we can do together.
0: Okay. Uh, I mean, just a follow-up question on that. So um, mm-hmm. the funds from like whatever you raise from um, the Kaya network token sale, will they be used for the exchange and the fintech bank you're talking about as well? Or that is something separate that you want to build?
1: Oh, that's something separate. We're building already, but the money raised uh, through ICO will be purely uh, used on uh, services and uh critical spaces we're building as a utility token. But same time, we're we not uh, raising money from the public or doing ICO, but there are a couple more projects we're uh, running under Lattice 80. So, so we can probably share more in details over time to the public. Sure,
0: sounds great. And where can people and potential investors follow the developments of Lattice 80 and Kaya? I, I can include the link to Lattice 80, but for Kaya, is there a particular... Uh, social media platform where um, you and your team are most active?
1: Oh, We're trying to be more active in uh, most of normal uh, social networks from Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, to everything but uh, the official and basic information should come to our website, dot com first.
0: Alright, I'll include a link to, to your website uh, in the show be notes. be great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think on that note, uh, let's end this interview. Joe, thank Mm -hmm. you very much for taking the time out to come speak with us.
1: Thank you. Thank you, too. It was a great pleasure to have you on. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode,
0: please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Like us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Telegram. And subscribe to our newsletter on Decrypt.asia. This is your host, The Shard. Thank you for listening.